4: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
5: Okay, all ball community, I'm about to make your holidays even happier. Get the Epson EcoTank cartridge-free printer because you know it's not festive? Cartridge conniptions. Those panic freakouts that happen when those pricey ink cartridges run out at the worst possible time. Like when you're halfway through printing your holiday cards. With Epson EcoTank, kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. This printer has big ink tanks and comes with a ridiculous amount of ink so you can just fill and chill all season long. Now that's Mary. Epson EcoTank. Learn more at Epson.com slash All Ball with Doug.
6: There's a recipe for getting your car running just right and ebaymotors.com has all the ingredients you need. They have over 122 million car parts and accessories in stock, all at the right prices. Now that's tasty. ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. There's a recipe for getting your car running just right, and ebaymotors.com has all the ingredients you need. They have over 122 million car parts and accessories in stock, all at the right prices. Now that's tasty. ebaymotors.com. Let's
5: ride. Hey, welcome in. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Um, look, I could go into everything that's happening in the NBA, like LeBron James getting into a scuffle with Isaiah Stewart. Yeah, I'll go into that for a second. And then we'll get to what I think is a fabulous two-part interview. I think it could be a three-part interview. A fabulous interview with Joe Bunazar, who's um, like the godfather of the IMG basketball end of their academy. And then, of course, Impact Sports. And like, look, if you know anything about personal training, getting ready for the NBA draft or or evolving NBA players, you, you know who, what Joe's name is. Wait to hear his background and some of the things he did as a student manager at the University of Indiana under Bob Knight that I think you'll find to be very, very interesting. Um, in regards to the, I guess, quasi fight, like, look, I, I don't know why Isaiah Stewart lost his mind, but he lost his fucking mind. And, and you'll, you'll get this from people who didn't play basketball really is that, well, LeBron James hit him with his fist. Well, I don't know. It's pretty obvious what happened. They got caught kind of hand fighting and the guy, Isaiah grabbed his arm. And when he shook his arm free, like, you know, he like, get off me. He happened to hit him in the face. So he got thrown out of the game. Now, the NBA will probably suspend him a game or whatever just to try and act like they're being fair. But the reality is he already got kicked out of a game. What was a close game that they could have lost? So I feel like it'd be double jeopardy to kick him out of another game. But But this is where you, when you watch that video... And you look even at LeBron's reaction afterwards, you start to realize that the only people who truly believe he did it on purpose are people that never played basketball before, which leads me to a, a word I'm going to give you to use for those people. They're called civilians. I like that. And I called civilians. That's me and my friend. Well, you can use that people that don't know anything about what they're actually watching. And they just say things and you have to kind of nod your head and smile, especially if you're a talented head assistant NBA G league uh, college, high school, junior college coaches listen to this, you know, you know the person that literally doesn't know anything about what they're talking about. Those are civilians, right? Where you have a kind of a master class in what you are doing. All right, I, I, I want to get uh, so so the the net net is like I don't know why Isaiah Stewart lost his mind. Maybe it's because he got a little bit cut up. I don't think LeBron in any way intended to hit him, um, but I also think that that if you're LeBron, you just talk to the media and say what happened. And you know, if you, the, the league, I don't know why you'd have to suspend him. The, the only ugliness of the incident was the fact that Isaiah Stewart wouldn't calm the hell down. Like, relax, dude. I know it's been a long year so far. It's not going to get shorter because you're probably gonna be sitting at home watching your team play. Joe Bunazar uh, famously started the impact Academy, but how did he get to being one of the iconic workout coaches in the history of basketball? let's find out um joe i look there's a lot i want to get to but if i were to call you the godfather of the individual development coach program but that is that like a i don't know you, you tell me because and and forgive me for over talking but uh, it is my pod uh, but um the change in basketball from when I was coming up to now is amazing. Like I was very fortunate. I had my dad who is my workout coach, but now like every kid has a workout coach. Right. And I feel like I'm sure there were other guys doing it, but you found a way to create a model that is now copied a million times over. Is that, is there somebody that, that you copied it from, or are you the godfather? <laughs> I don't like to copy anything. Boy, you never like to call yourself the godfather
7: of anything, right? That's well, I'm, too young, that, I'll I'll I'm too young for that, Doug. I'm too young to be. Yeah. Um, it's it's uh I think I was one of the first guys to really package it into a business. Yes. I think that uh, you know, you remember Tim Grover, who who trained Michael, uh Jordan, and Tim and I, you know, kind of came through. Of course, Tim Gergovich, who who is always an NBA coach, who you know Gerg, who's really focused on player development but yeah i mean what you what you see as training and player development today it's like oh it it wasn't around when i started and we found a way to package it i mean look we started the basketball at img which it wasn't even there at at 2001. um so yeah i think i think that we're definitely or i'm definitely at the forefront of originating um what people today you know we say now there's a trainer on every corner. Right. And, and you, you know, as a basketball guy, some good, some not so good. You know, I think if you, if you, uh if you ask most parents of kids, their kid would have a trainer. Right. So we, yeah. you know, it's the strength part. It's this part. It's, you know, so yeah, I, I mean, I think I was so lucky as you know, to get such good NBA guys early that it was able to bl- kind of blow up. So when you train a Kevin Garnett and he becomes the MVP, you become a good trainer. You know, people ask me all the time, how do you, how do you get to where you're at? It's, you got to get good players, right? But yeah, the concept of training, you know, you, you know we spoke briefly before we came on your, about your son. It's insane. You know, these kid, kids are working out one day here, one day there. They got this trainer there. There's a trainer here. So yeah, I, I think it, it's been it's been an awesome you know journey to see how the whole player development now is, you know, NBA staffs have, shoot, what, 10, 15 guys only in charge of development. You know, back when I started, there was zero. So yeah, I, th- I think it, it was it was a good start back in in the late '90s, and and we just kept
5: it rolling. Um, okay, so uh, your 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 coaching background for people who don't know prior to this, because okay, you were a Division One coach, but your your first coaching job, well, first as a player, what were you like?
7: High school player,
5: average, <laughs> yeah,
7: pretty average. I, I the only thing I wanted to do was coach college basketball. I, I read a season on the brink uh coach knight's book when i was 16 or 15 or whatever i don't know why i read it i don't know what it was but i read the book and i said i'm gonna go to indiana and i'm gonna be a basketball coach and uh you know i went lawrence frank who's at iu with me we were both managers together we both uh, met at at five-star camp you know you remember the good old five-star days even though you're a west coaster you know and uh yeah my my brother went
5: my dad actually sent my brother my brother he did the uh he did that one and then he did the BABC camp as well. Okay, yeah,
7: sure. Of course. Yeah. That Leo's camp
5: out there in yeah. the
7: East. Yeah, yeah. So it's um, you know, I went to IU to be a, I was a manager. I, I didn't even know really what I was gonna study or whatever. And I just what year is to this? coach. I got to IU in 89, 1989. Right. So my so class he, was uh yeah. Calbert Cheney, uh, you know, Chris Reynolds, Alan Henderson, Damon Damon Bailey was actually my roommate my uh my junior season. So yeah, so we're
5: we're right there. Okay, so again, okay, now, now all of a sudden we start to salivate, and okay, so Damon Bailey. So you read season on the brink, which a good portion of the focus of season on the brink is about Damon Bailey, right? There's there's at least a portion there where Damon Bailey is coming in, and he's the next, like, right? You had Alford, who is the guy, and then there's like, you think Alford's good? Wait till Bailey's. Wait till Bailey gets here. What was Damon Bailey like at Indiana?
7: Well, what was great about that too is Coach Knight was telling those guys, wait till you see this eighth grader. He was, he was like telling them he's better than them right now, which is, you know, funny. Damon was what a great guy, you know, man, Doug, what a great player, you know, athletic, um, very uh, you know, just just skilled, athletic, strong, big and strong. And he was a he was a man child in high school. Um, you know, people don't remember that Damon's high school senior game. There was forty-five thousand people at uh at the Hoosier Dome at the time, whatever it's called yeah. now. I mean, that's the you know, RCA I mean,
5: Dome, well now it's- RCA, so yeah.
7: whatever it's yeah. called, yeah. But I'll tell you- now, it, it's, was, now, it's
5: a, now it's a convention center, a parking structure, right? Because- the yeah, new Yeah, it Dome's is, like, right.
7: Right. And, D- and Damon was Hoosiers before Hoosiers, right? So, you know, you drove into to Bedford, North Lawrence, which was, Damon was actually from Heltonville. And there was a huge sign that says, welcome to Heltonville home of Damon Bailey. You know, and this kid was like 10th grade, right? So you can imagine that happening. He was great. He was a, you know, and I think Damon got a little worn out with basketball <laughs> after the eighth grade fame. So by the time he was a junior and senior, um, he just wanted to play. He was just a normal dude who wanted to play video games with his, his boys from Bedford. You know, it was like a, just a Southern Indiana, small town guy, uh, but man, so talented and such a nice guy. Actually. We were, my son uh, is in college now, and he's actually at Notre Dame, which is why I'm here in Vegas, but he, he was playing and for the pumps, which of course, you know, the pumps uh, yeah. and uh, we were in the gauntlet and we were playing Eric Gordon's team. And I looked down on the floor. I was assistant coach on the team. I said, man, that kid looks like Damon Bailey. I mean, this, you know, it was Indiana kid. Just, and I was Damon's son. And his son, it was, I think Braxton is his name or one of, yeah, his Damon was sitting across he's... from me in the stands. So. I mean, what a legend that guy was. I mean, he was, you know, people in Indiana still today will talk about what Damon Bailey was and, and, and really what great teams those were with Coach Knight, you know. So, it was a lot uh, so, of
5: so what's interesting is um, you're there as a manager, you're living with like kind of like a living legend, right? And honestly, and I also, I'll tell you a book, and I'm sure you've read it playing for Knight, uh, Alford's book was mm-hmm. incredible. That was the one that I actually like. I like a Season on the Brink, it was yeah obviously, you know, um um it's really well written and it's an incredible story and they go on to win a national championship after it, right? But but the playing for night was about Alford by all from Alford's perspective. And it also talked about his his own workout routine, right? Where Steve would hang the net. Every of before the last shot, he'd leave every gym, he'd hang the net back when nets used to clip up on the rim. Right. But right. he had like a, he had a whole routine that he did. It. What was so you're as a manager. Are you developing like workouts? Like, how are you developing as a coach when you're working for coach night?
7: Well, I think as, a, as at that time, I was way more focused on the coaching piece. So one of the one of the kind of themes of my whole launch into the development world was I think we spent a little too much time watching film. Of opponents and not enough time developing our own players uh, as I was coaching, not not only there, but when I went on to Wyoming after. So when I was a manager, I was like super, you know, we were cutting video all day. We were basically assistants. You know how managers are. They're the most valuable guy in the program, you know, across the country. We were cutting video for all the assistants. We were doing game prep. We were, I was, I was really learning what, you know, being a, a, a coach uh is all about, and at Indiana with all the film study and the detail that coach Knight put in there, I mean there's no better classroom to learn, so we're spending a ton of time you know we had we had a film and that was the old record and pause with the with the film, you know there was no sports code, there was no software it was you put a VCR tape in the top and then you put a blank one in the bottom and you, you know, make it. a reel, right? was no, Like, high speed, du- like and high speed yeah.
5: dubbing with, uh, with, with mixtapes as well. Yeah. Only, only video wise.
7: Yeah. I so, remember when super VHS came out, we thought we were like in big time with technology. Yeah.
5: So, um, so instead, I like that instead of watching what other people do watching yourself, I will tell you that like, I remember, and speaking of Notre Dame, obviously played there my freshman year and John McLeod was a, as an nba guy he was a big film guy but i just felt like some films like it was you know it was we're watching three on like we used to play three on three full court he was a big three on three full court guy which is great but like your defensive rotations are completely different right and we do three on three full court and then we do a lot of half court five on five 26 seconds on the clock right because there's 35 second shot clock nine to get it across whatever and i just felt like the two didn't marry together i really like i I like three on three i like three on three on three i like the especially for younger kids learning how to deal with the pressure of getting it past half court and understanding rotations um but i i don't i it's it's just fascinating to me on um on different ways of watching film so you're preparing all this film and are you pitching it to the coaches like we should watch more of us, or are you just listening and writing notes? Like, what what is what is your own mental process of developing your coaching theories like? Well, I was I was really always trying to find something that they didn't see. You know, as a young manager,
7: trying to figure out, okay, how do I get noticed here? You know, Coach Night was so interesting because your first two years. You didn't even really know if he knew your name. You know, you just worked. It, it's a different world today because kids would quit. You know what I mean? Now, if they, oh, coach didn't. You know, it's a different different expectation from young people. So we just worked, and I was looking at everything we did. You know, guys, Calbert Chaney's footwork. Uh, you know, missed screens, anything I could uncover, Doug, to to find, and then you know the, the the game prep there is so intense. You know, we had if you know if Iowa played fifteen games, we needed all fifteen of them, and if we had to drive to knew what we had a guy in new Albany, Indiana named AJ. I forgot AJ's last name who had a satellite dish, you know, really cutting edge. So he would get the games we couldn't get, you know, and then, you, you would drive like we we literally would go. We, we'd call someone to put a videotape on an airplane, drive to the airport, pick up the tape, because if Coach Knight didn't have all 15 games, we were in trouble. You know, so try telling him, hey, I only have 14. He would look at you and say, well, go get the 15th. Right. So we were just cutting it up like crazy. You know, so I, I don't think we did enough of looking at it, you know, everything was, you know, I don't say everything was bad, but there was a lot of, you know, bad offense, bad defense, poor screening angles. uh, Yeah,
5: uh, no, no, I'm negative. That's, that's honestly, I mean, that's how I felt like coaches have coached, right. Which is find the mistake mm -hmm. and that's, and find the mistake. And I, and, and so was your idea like, Hey, let's, instead of always point out the mistake, let's, let's find the, the positive. Definitely,
7: Yeah, yeah, definitely trying to find something. Hey, look, here's good offense from the other day. Let's show them this. Um, You know, Coach Knight was just, of course, different because you're not going to go to him and say, hey, coach, I think I should do this. He would, you know, (laughs) throw me out of the gym maybe the next day. But, you know, Dan Dockich uh, was assistant at the time. Ron Felling, uh, uh, you know, all those guys were there. So we would go to coaches. I'd say, hey, can we do this? Can we do that? So the film breakdown was just I never did a lot of like footwork stuff and things like that. If you watch the Indiana teams from, from those days, 89 to 93, which, you know, those were good teams. We had no plays and every guy catches the ball, squares yeah. up, triple Shot threats. It's like, it's like, wow, we were really fundamentally sound. You know, footwork was good. Spacing was good. And we had zero plays. I've never seen a, I've never, I can't even, people don't believe me when I say that we had no plays. It was all just motion. It was either pairs with two guys Screening for each other or triangle with three guys in or what he called regular, which was just five man motion. Right. So we had no out of bounds
5: plays, Doug. So, yeah, we, we were trying. I thought to- there was one. So so here's the here's the frame McCaffrey obviously, recruited me to, to Notre Dame and he worked for he worked for Digger and then he worked for McLeod. And he likes to tell the story that Digger was. I mean, he, he want, he demanded of his assistants, that same level of prep, right? You better watch every game. You know, better know every play, every tendency, whatever, right. Before the days of synergy and, um, and the Indiana game was paramount to him, right? Indiana, Kentucky, like those are the games you, you got to, and UCLA. So he, the Indiana game was like the first game of the year. And Fran said he lost 50, literally lost 15 pounds, like studying everything from the season before. Cause they had nothing. You got nothing. Then you got like Zabruder footage on like uh, the exhibition games before they played them. Of course, yeah. So, we, we would send a, we'd send a spy into the arena like to shoot, shoot it with a camera, right? Right. So I think, and I again, you were there. I wasn't. I only played against them once when I was in Notre Dame. But there was supposedly one inbounds play. Basically, it was just four across, and the guy in the weak side corner would come off of all the single screens, and they'd all just kind of read it yeah and that, so you, yeah okay so, so so franny franny you know he's doing all this prep and he's and it's like you said like and my brother who's he's a, he he's a huge he he's installed uh motion here at grand cane for the women a little different style um with with uh with the big in the dunk or the ghost position and kind of a, a four out dribble drive reading off the dribble drive right that's what's changed in terms of motion offense but anyway he's a big proponent of motion because can't scout motion. Right. And that's right. why, and Fran has been an unbelievable offensive coach at, at Iowa. Why? Cause they run motion and nobody runs motion. Everybody, everybody used to run it. And now like two or three teams run it uh, of the elite teams. Um, anyway, so they're, they're getting ready. And this is probably about the same time, get ready to play Indiana. Um, and, you know, sure enough, first inbounds play, there's some, you know, it's like, Calbert Cheney comes off the three singles and then the two big screen for each other. There's some like minor twist. And it might not have been even a call, just like a read of, you know, how to play, just playing basketball off it. And, you know, Digger spins around and looks, what the fuck was that? I thought you watched every (laughs) fucking film. What the fuck was that? Right. And he's he's like, what do you want me to do? They've had one play, one inbound play. i watched the last five years of tape, but, but instead, you know, you're sitting there and his assistant coach, and you just gotta go, I don't know, Dick or just we know they be right <laughs> It's like I, I um my friends that played in Arizona, like we had three plays. Three, right? And there's a um, um Mike Montgomery likes to say simplicity and execution, right? Now he had a million plays, but Bob out, What was it, what was he really like? Like obviously, you read the stories where there's a violent temper now. My dad actually played with him or was a walk-on on his teams at Ohio State. And he's like, look, Bob Knight was always the same guy where he, he could be hard to be around, but incredibly engaging as well, like charming. Like there was it's almost a little bipolar thing to it. What was he like when you're, when you're a young guy? Bob Knight's the biggest figure in the state of Indiana, maybe the biggest figure in all of college basketball coaching, right? He would won another national title. But what was he like on a daily basis? Watching him coach, what, what were those? What were those days like?
7: I mean, honestly, it's the foundation for how I approach what I do. I mean, he, intense is probably the biggest word I would use. Like, if I he that dude is like, I mean, there were times when he was walking down the hallway and I was walking down, and I really can't contemplate like just going into a room because I didn't even want to walk next to him. You, you it's, not not that he would touch me, right? <laughs> I didn't mean that. I just mean the the energy from this guy. Yes, yeah. like. Like I could tell someone, I, I joke with a lot of my NBA guys. I all Oh, Coach Knight, Coach Knight. I say, Yeah, look, if I told you, hey, he's gonna walk up to you, he's gonna look you in the eye, and he's gonna just just you're gonna try to you're gonna be intimidated a little bit, but don't be, because he doesn't really mean it. They say, Okay, I can handle it. They'd walk up to him, he'd look at him like, holy shit, I was I'm I'm intimidated by this guy. <laughs> he's just a ma- a massive figure, like he said. It's not because of, but I'll tell you his attention to detail, his intensity. I I mean his look at, I mean, his intensity wasn't able to be tempered. Right. So it was like always intense, whether he was, we'd go eat at a restaurant and like, we would be nervous that the waitress wouldn't do like, would just really mess up. Not not that he would be little or anything like that. He's just so intense. You know, he wants to, it's just very much his, his demand for perfection was scary. You know what I mean? Like it was just like, as a manager, If there was a smudge on the backboard, we would get nervous. You know what I mean? He's like, "Oh no, my God! Someone forgot to wipe the backboard." You know, like so, someone would scramble around and grab the rag and give you know, try to you know, get up there and get it done before Coach Knight's coming. So you know, we I remember vacuuming the the uh, the locker room as a freshman. That's your job once a week, and I mean, like I would literally comb the carpet to make sure there was no specks or anything on it. So the, the the word is intense, detailed. I mean, but what, what I like about it, Doug, is he backed his, he backed up his, his, I guess, his style with research. I mean, the guy's prepared, you know I mean? It's one thing when dudes come in and they're just like all out of control and they're yelling at this guy and, you know, guys are like, "What is does he talk about? He didn't watch the film. I mean, if, if he said something, he researched it, you know, he's so smart. Um, everything that he demanded from a basketball piece, he did himself. So he's the one watching film too. It wasn't like, you know, you guys all watch film and don't miss, don't do this, don't do that. But he, he just knew. So you knew when you were doing something for Coach Knight that he was going to know what you were supposed to be doing. Like, he knows the right
0: answer. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events.
7: So because it's not he's he's not aloof to anything so it was an amazing experience just in terms of how to run shoot if I left basketball and gone into business which of course right. many of his players and coaches have it's just a lesson I look you have to from top to bottom intense it was very intense now was it some days I wanted to get the hell out of there because it was so intense <laughs> get me out of here you know but I think it made my other times you know better but he was he was incredible yeah I mean really you know there's there's a lot to coach night and yes there's been some things of course over the years but i mean his preparation for for the games and just his like he knew everything about me by the time i was done with there i mean you know you know how hard it is i became at 21 years old i got a full time assistant job at wyoming you don't do that without coach knight you know so this is a guy that like he sticks he's loyal to what he to what he says he's going to do but let me tell you the, the the ride is rocky along the way it's not easy you know i mean it's it's there were days when i was like i don't know if i could take it Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: BetRiver Sportsbook wants to invite you to discover the complete sports betting experience. The foundation of that experience is a massive number of betting options on nearly every regulated sporting event around the world. Add on top of that live streaming of sports every day. There's almost always a live match to watch on BetRiver Sportsbook right in your phone. BetRivers features top-tier customer service, ready to answer your questions anytime, day or night. Plus, they have this unique rush pay system, and BetRivers Sportsbook can authorize most withdrawal requests instantly. Customer satisfaction is always our number one priority, and BetRivers will match your first deposit up to $250. Now, unlike some other sportsbooks, BetRivers only requires a one-time pay-through to turn bonuses into cash, so you're going to experience the difference. Just go to BetRivers.com. You'll see it for yourself. You must be 21. Must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. You got a gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Remember, Bett Rivers Sportsbook. It's the place. Just go to BetRivers, B-E-T-R-I-V-E-R-S dot com. I don't know about you, but I feel like I'm printing nonstop through the holidays. All right? You got cards, gift tags, lists, cookie receipts, mostly cookie receipts. Plus, you get travel docs as well. You know, you got to get those reimbursements. And nothing will ruin the fun like good old-fashioned cartridge conniption. That's when your printer's pricey ink cartridges run out of ink at the worst possible time. And you can't help but lose it a little. Or a lot! It's frustrating. But, All Ball community, you know what we do around here. We bring you tech solutions. And the Epson EcoTank cartridge-free printer is a great solution. Epson EcoTank uses Big ink tanks and comes with a ridiculous amount of ink. Go ahead. Add some people to your holiday card list. No more running out of magenta when you're trying to make the season merry. No more having to apologize to your house guests after having a total cartridge conniption. With Epson EcoTank, kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. You can just fill and chill. Who doesn't want some more chill around the holidays? Epson EcoTank. Learn more at Epson.com slash All Ball with Doug.
1: Imagine fighting climate change every time you buy groceries or pizza. Now you can. With the Aspiration Zero credit card, you can reduce your carbon footprint by making the same purchases you always make. Aspiration Zero plants one tree every time you make a purchase. Or plant two trees when you choose to round all your purchases up to the nearest dollar. Track your progress in the app and earn 1% cash back each month you reach carbon zero. For a limited time, earn a $300 bonus when you open an account at Aspiration.com and spend $3,000 in the first 90 days. Join the community that helps you fight climate change with every purchase. Aspiration Zero. One card, zero carbon footprint. The Aspiration Zero MasterCard is issued by Beneficial State Bank pursuant to license by MasterCard International Incorporated. Beneficial State Bank member FDIC 2021. Terms and conditions apply. Visit Aspiration.com slash zero for more information.
5: Could could he exist in today's world? Like, and 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 part of it is, it's a lot like the. Well, Jordan couldn't shoot threes, so he wouldn't be the same. Like, look, do you not think Michael Jordan would evolve? You know, in two thousand, yeah, he would learn right? threes, right? Right. <laughs> like, if if yeah. Brooke Lopez can become a three point shooter, I'm pretty sure Michael Jordan can become a three point shooter. Right? right. Right. Could but could Bob Knight? evolved to 2021 oh boy i you know he's so true to who he was um
7: unless he evolved yeah i don't think so you know what i mean and i think that you know just what you see happening today of people talking about you know i guess uh un on un, unsafe or not unsafe but whatever workplace issues and you know on uh I'm trying to find the word, whatever. Like a too intense workplace issue, verbal beratings, you know, things like that. I mean, if you worked for Coach Knight, if somebody you know said he didn't, you know, he didn't touch anyone or anything like that, but it was just constant mental strain, you know, of of doing that. So I think in today's world, that would have been it would have been a topic of of discussion. Could he have done it? He's smart enough, Doug. You know what I mean? The guy's a genius. So
5: I mean, it's not like he's not going to figure out how to do it. So the answer could be he'd have to tone it tone it down a little bit. I also think and again you tell me if i'm wrong because you lived it i would tell you that he got into tv 15 years too late had he gotten into tv in 2000 like right when it ended at indiana or or a couple years before that he might have been the greatest tv commentator ever and i say that because at that point in time he was so incredibly popular right And he was not a, he was, he was polarizing, but it was, but he also, and, and I'm sure you experienced this. There was a charm to him. There's a humor to him, right? I mean, he would be messing with you and like, you, you'd kind of get it, but I just like, look, he's he would never have the likability of Vital, but he could have been the Simon Cowell of college basketball. The problem was by the time it ended at Texas tech, I don't think he loved it anymore, you know, and he was just between the travel and trying to teach people things that he felt to be way below his level of acumen, like it was just too late. But I do think that if it was like late 90s, you know, I mean, he was an incredibly popular and engaging figure. I think the TV thing happened too late, and I think that because that's what people remember, what they saw last of him, and then the chair throwing always comes up, that there's a huge chunk of his career that is never discussed now among the all-time greats, and he's absolutely among the all-time greats. No question.
7: Yeah, the TV thing, Yeah, when he did that, he was like... Yeah, he, his heart wasn't in that. You could tell. But his, I mean, you know, from his insight as, as a TV guy yourself, I mean, his insight into what he could do would be crazy, you know?
5: Well, it's I like, mean, it's like, like Majeris, Majeris, like sitting next to Majeris was like, a, it was like a cheat code. Like, I think I know a lot about basketball. you like, no, you know, it's going to happen here. Like, you know, you know, and then like, like <laughs> holy shit, that just happened. Right. I mean, and, uh, uh, but Majeris, you know, again, kind of like those guys didn't want to take cues. Here, here's my favorite Coach Knight TV story. Okay. So he, he remember he quit mid year and his, and his son took over. And so he comes up, he's at ESPN and ESPN guys were doing backflips over him. And his like first night doing studio, West Virginia's playing and they had Joe Alexander. And so, and Joe played great. And he's like, I Joe. Joe. Yeah. 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 So, so he said, okay. So he goes, you know, Joe Alexander's the best college basketball player I've seen this year. Right. So, you know, I mean, we blow it up. We're at ESPN. We put it everywhere. Like Joe Alexander's coach. Nice. Best college basketball player. So I call Pat. I'm like, Pat, what is your dad doing? Like I love Joe Alexander. He ain't the best fucking college basketball player. Right. Like he goes, did you actually hear what he said? I was like, well, he said he's the best college basketball player in the country. Like, no, he said he's the best college basketball player he's seen. He's like, <laughs> he didn't ever watch any fucking tape. He watched tape on our team. Okay. And he didn't, he wasn't, at this point in time, he wasn't watching anybody else. And he can only tell you from the, and then, you know, when you're coaching against people, there wasn't anybody who blew him away. And so, literally, Joe it was the best college basketball player he had seen that year. It wasn't a lie. It was really what he thought.
7: <laughs> yeah, I believe that for sure. Yeah, coaches, one of my favorite stories with him is many, but we were getting ready to play Duke in the Final Four. and we were going through the scouting report and he kept calling Christian Leitner Latner. And finally I walked over to, to one of the assistants. And I said, surely he has to know what the guy's name is. I mean, you know, Christian Leitner was one of the top guys in the country, but just, just that he had to
5: call him Latner, you know, during the thing, I was like, who's Latner? That was the, that was the phone game, right? That was when he slammed down the phone. That was that same tournament. Right. Yeah. Right. LSU and and of course his coaching that. against Krzyzewski was his, his point guard. Mm-hmm. What was that? I, what was that like for you? What, what are your memories of that game?
7: That game, well, that whole tournament was in a magical run. You know, we, we really, we had a, I mean, you know, remember Doug, those two teams, my, my last two years there, I think we lost six games or something total in two years. You know, we we're number one in the country. Alan Henderson doesn't tear his ACL in our, in my last year there, we probably got, we lost to Kansas in the final eight, but that Duke final four game was, um, you know, yeah, just the tension and the preparation for it. we had just beat the crap out of UCLA and the for, it was like forty yeah.
5: points, right? It was Four, like yeah, at least and, yeah, and and, like, and, we're, listen, we're and and listen, yeah. so I we had season tickets, and I was like a partial bike ball boy to that team. That UCLA team was unbelievable. Tracy Murray and Dom McLean, Dom McLean, all time leading scorer at Pac Ten history, right? And yeah, Tracy Murray, yeah. and I mean they had like twelve pros on that team, and that game was at the pit. In New Mexico, am I yeah.
7: Albuquerque. Yep. And yeah. we had just beaten Shaq and LSU, you know, the game before. So, you know, and, and I remember coach's preparation to this day for Shaq of, of flashing Matt Nover, who, you know, go, people know him as Ricky Rowe and uh, Blue Chips. But Matt was a great player for uh, for coach. And, and he would flash Matt to the high post and he kept saying in the shoot around Shaquille is not going to come out because they were in a, sitting in a two three zone. And Matt had like 20 you know, which is, Matt is like eight, right? So he was just, him and Allen Henderson were knocking down elbow jump shots all day long, right? So, yeah, I remember those games vividly. The Duke game was amazing, you know? I mean, the preparation was so intense. This tension was intense. Obviously, a new coach playing against Coach K was, you know, a big thing for him. And, you know, they had Hurley, they they had Grant Hill, and, and they had a good team. And it was a hell of a game, but just fell, fell a little bit short. And they went on to beat uh, Michigan, you know? And that I think that was the... Uh, I don't know. is that the game? Whoever called the time, I don't remember. Which, no, which, which no. What was the next that year? That was, was that was North
5: Carolina. So that Carolina, was in Minnesota. Yeah. That was in yep. Minnesota, yeah, yeah. right? And the fourth team in the Final Four, Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with uh, with Nick Van Exel and Corey Blunt and those guys. No question. And Arthur Long, Art Long, was that the guy's name? I don't yeah. know if Art Long what was on that team. Yeah. Not, that yet, Long, not yet. Not yet. Pun, he punched the police horse. That's what Art Long. He did. <laughs> the
7: punch the horse. I remember scouting for that game. Whenever the, oh, you know what? He played. We played Cincinnati when we when I was at Wyoming because Joby and, uh, and Joby Wright and Huggins were buddies. So they came out. Huggins actually came to uh, Laramie, which we couldn't believe he did that. And I remember saying to someone, "Don't mess with that guy. He punched a police horse."
5: Yeah, like. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> so imagine what so, it'll do to you. So you get done as a student. And then how did how did you join Joby? Did you go through Coach Knight? Did was it Joby? Like how did it, how did it take place? So Joby was an
7: assistant at Indiana when I was a freshman. And I started helping him with
5: his recruiting. And
7: we went back to what we were talking about before. That was back when we'd you know open up Tom Kinchowski's uh you know report in the mail, and then we'd do the all the different reports, Bob Gibbons, all the you know, all the guys you remember real well. And I would start organizing them for Joby in a different way. So I was like creating new recruiting sheets. So he and I hit it off as a, you know, when a coach finds a manager that does good stuff, they use the hell out of them. You know how that goes. So it's all day. So it, um, Joby and I got to know each other. He went to Miami, Ohio. For my sophomore, junior, senior year. And then when I graduated, he got the job at Wyoming. So I remember the story, you know, you, what you do is you go into, you talk to Mary Ann, coach a secretary and say, Hey, I'd like to talk to coach Knight. So, you know, you wait like a month to, to talk to him. <laughs> so Mary Ann and call and say, Hey coach, coach wants to talk to you now. So you go up to his office, maybe like a little manager's office downstairs, you go up to the office and you're sitting there nervous as hell. And I said, Hey coach, you know, obviously I'm trying to get a coaching job after this. And I just want to know if I you know, use you as a uh, reference and everybody'd say, yeah, you know, he just completely blew it off. Um, maybe four days before graduation, I had no idea what I was going to do. I ended up getting a degree in English literature because I liked it. I didn't, I didn't want to teach. I just, I figured it was a good base in case I, uh, in case I, C- Coach Knight had thrown me out of practice a couple of times where I started to go register for the LSAT to see to go to law school. And I figured my coaching career was was doomed. But I got a phone call maybe four or five days before graduation. It was like Monday or Tuesday from upstairs. And Marianne said, come upstairs. Coach Knight put me on the phone with Joby. And he said, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm looking for a job. And he said, I'd like for you to come out. And I said, well, I'd love to interview and have a chance to come out. There. He goes, no, I want you to come out and work. So it was like a 10 second, I'm done. I got hired. I walked back downstairs. I said, that'd be great. I'm going to Wyoming. I'm, a, I'm from Detroit. I went to school in Indiana. I have no idea where the hell Laramie, Wyoming is or why I'm going there. But at the same time, I uh, I went home and I packed up my shit and I skipped graduation and I moved to Laramie, Wyoming. So, yeah, I was, I, I was, I'm a young so, guy for my age. So I just got So, so you're. So you're you're, you're you're
5: 21. You're 21 how much, how much are you making? Uh, and that was, I was restricted earnings. Remember
7: that? So it was 12,000 yeah. plus four. Yeah. Yeah. 16 okay, so grand. Yeah.
5: 16, so 16 grand and home is where, uh, well, I'm from Detroit farming. Okay. Hills, so, Michigan, you, yeah.
7: so you, so you go home. Uh, oh, no, no, no. So I went home to Bloomington. I never went to Detroit. I just went to my okay, place in Bloomington. So up stuff. Yeah. Your stuff. <laughs> what kind of car? Um, so I have an, I have an interesting story that, uh, a manager from Kentucky gave me an idea to do a barnstorming tour when I was sure. a senior. Um, and so I approached coach Knight with it and, uh, or before the season and he threw me out of the gym, told me never to come back and then realized it was a pretty good idea. Called me back the next day and said, okay, here's what you're going to do. I don't want to hear a word about it until the season's over. If I do, you're out of here and over. and you can do it, but, um, you're going to split the money." six ways with the players four players and then myself and marty polio who's his dad mike polio was the ad at uh he was a head coach at eastern kentucky for a while and then assistant ad at louisville so we organized a a nine game barnstorming tour after the season and this will tell you about my car so i um i went nuts with it and you know that team was the all-time winningest team in indiana history so i you know we had calbert chaney so First game is at Evansville at uh, Robert Stadium. Where where he's, where he's from, where Calvert's from. Calvert's from. And, you know, I, I had like 300 t-shirts, two different styles. You know, I'm a, I was a five-star guy, right? So I I ran the canteen at five-star, which is even better because I knew how to make all the money from the stuff. So we sold Doug 9,000 seats for that first game, um, in Robert Stadium and. I walked out of there that night with a check for $85,000 in ticket sales. And we sold out every t-shirt. So I, they were like, and and I had autographed pictures of the guys and we we sold all those out. It was like four for 10 bucks or one for whatever it was. I don't even remember. So I walk in and I remember my current wife's sister was helping me, uh, uh, she was my girl, my what? My girlfriend at the time, sister. Said, "Hey, can you come help me sell these t-shirts?" And she rides in the car with me to Evansville. No change, like to give anyone. No place to put the money. I was like stuffing money into my briefcase. Long story short, we played nine games and we made almost a quarter million dollars uh, in nine games that we all split. So I had a car, had a new Ford Explorer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> paid for, so paid for in cash, paid
5: for in small bills. Absolutely. From, from the, from I used to t-shirts. meet
7: the guys, right? So I was so worried that Calvert wouldn't show up for the next game. Chris so, Reynolds and all those guys
5: are, go ahead. So, um, okay. So you got a brand new car. You packed yeah, a brand ship, new car. Brand new drive. I take it, you drove to Laramie.
7: Oh, no, no, no. I, I think I shipped the car to Laramie. I don't remember what I did. Yeah, we, I flew and then shipped it. Yeah, at the time. Yeah, Why I don't
2: you
5: drive? Know.
7: I don't know what I was doing at the time, but I had that car. I definitely had that Explorer.
5: Yeah. So, um, Laramie, Wyoming in mm-hmm. the early nineties. Yeah. Ninety three. Yep. Describe.
7: Oh boy. Yeah. I was, uh, you know, coming from Michigan and in, in Indiana, it was uh, the, the only thing anybody world. knew about,
0: there are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex platinum card helps you have the perfect trip.
5: Terms and conditions apply. Wyoming basketball was Fennis Dembo. Fennis Dembo, yeah. That's <laughs> cool. Even Sailors, I know you Fennis Dembo, yeah. I know Kenny <laughs> Sailors, they say, invented the <laughs> jump shot, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, I Kenny remember Sailors, the picture. Right? Yeah, remember Sailors, the picture. Fennis Dembo. Oh. And other than that, what was, what was 93 Laramie, Wyoming, like for a kid from Detroit via Bloomington?
7: It was tough. Yeah. I mean, thank God I love basketball. Uh, The people were super nice, super duper nice. So yeah, I was like, I had no issue with that. I mean, Laramie is the the university is the city, right? So put it this way, about six months after I had a place, uh, a friend of mine, Greg Smith, who owned the two restaurants in town, that's it. And every day I would go there for dinner. and He'd have my dinner like ready for me at the bar. (laughs) So that was it. And six months after I got there, I was out on a, I was out on a ranch helping brand cattle. And I was like, "No, what am I doing? yeah." So funny story. I remember the old white K Swiss shoes that were like the real sure. nice white ones. Yeah, I showed up to Brand Cattle and K Swiss shoes. They were like, uh, "Those aren't going to work." Yeah. So it was cool. I mean, look, the, the 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 I was so excited. You know how young coaches are. I didn't give a shit where I was. You know, I was like, I, I just want to work. Um, but it was cool. I, I actually got married shortly after that, so I dragged my wife to Laramie, Wyoming, with an MBA degree. And she actually worked for the Wyoming Technical Institute, which is an automotive school. There's only, you know, there's not that many jobs in town. So she, she, but she bit the bullet with me. But look, we drive down to Fort Collins on the weekends. We went, you know, to Boulder. We, 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 we made the most of it, but it was great. I mean, the, we, we had the largest crowd in school history. My second year there against uh, BYU, you know, when they had some of those good teams, we had a good team we had, we had Theo Ratliff, right? So that was, we inherited Theo, which, which helped us out.
5: What was he's like the original rim protector. And, and I mean, there's a guy whose game would translate incredibly well now. And obviously it, with the Sixers, they went to the NBA finals with him. What was, what was Theo like? And, and so, so is Joby running motion? What was, how was he coaching?
7: Yeah. Yeah. Most same, same exact thing. So we tried, the only thing is we realized and I realized now that, you can't run motion without players like Indiana, you know? So we had to start re-recruiting players. <laughs> yeah. We had a bad motion group. We put in, we put in Doug entries, right. Which were like quick hitters off the yeah. motion and it would go yeah. into motion. So we had to put in entries and we did have out of bounds plays because if we'd have had no out of bounds plays with our guys, we would have been maybe scoring in the wrong basket. So, you know, it would have been uh, a little bit of chaos, but we, we, we feel was amazing. You know, we, when we, we had him for two years and our defense is like top five in the country. And, you know, we thought it was our coaching. And then when he left, we went to like 300th in the country <laughs> Yeah, because he was, he, he was, he and Theo would have learned to shoot threes today for sure. And if Theo would have made threes, he would have played, you know, he played a long time anyways, but we had, we did, we ran motion, we tried to run it, but we had to make some adjustments on that. And then we had to re, retool our recruiting and, you know, really it's, it's, you know, getting a guy recruiting to Laramie. So after my second year there, both the other assistants left. So I got promoted to the to to recruit after two seasons. I'm 23. I'm on the road. It's not easy recruiting kids to Laramie. You know, it's just a difficult. You know, we were planting people on the corner of the street. You go stand there, and then we drive into town and wave. Said, oh yeah, there's the track team. And there's you know we didn't. Yeah, you had to pull out some smoke and mirrors. But the people were really great, and the, the fan support is obviously very good up there when you're winning.
5: Plus you're playing at altitude,
7: right? Which playing at seventy two hundred, you know, people think Denver's high. It's it's two thousand feet
5: higher than Denver, right? Have, have you seen what they? You know, they redid the arena. It is really nice. Oh yeah, I haven't. I haven't been in there for a it's while. Re- they did a really good job. It is. They yeah. changed it so it's not the, the old roundhouse like it was. Right. Okay. They adjusted the seats, and it's like a true basketball arena. It's it's kind of spectacular. It's really good what they've done. They they just got to get it going again because that is a Incredible fan base when they're good, right? You got the guy. You got the guy yeah, in the barrel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly,
7: I hate to say it, but they don't really have any. I mean, if the, if, if the pokes, as they call them, are winning, they're yeah. going to the game. People, no question. And, and, you know, you will get people drive from Gillette, which is like five hours. I mean, it, it doesn't matter where. It's the only show in town. It's the only show in the state.
8: Yeah. When was the last time you seriously considered your dream? Did something never thought you would do? How about live the van life in a totally customized Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van? You could tour the country, whatever you want to dream up. And we're talking about Mercedes-Benz van here. Expect innovative safety features like crosswind assist and blind spot assist. Expect performance and reliability with that MBUX voice command system. You're going to get five-star dealer network available with a gas engine. Now you could win your very own Mercedes-Benz Sprinter Mode 4x4 you enter the Dan Patrick Show Ultimate Camping Rig Sweepstakes. You go to danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com, and there you enter, get official rules for a chance to win this beautiful Mercedes-Benz Sprinter van. danpatrick.com or foxsportsradio.com, and you have to do so by February 2nd. Your dream is waiting for you. danpatrick.com, foxsportsradio.com. Some equipment described is optional.
5: Hey, All Ball community, uh, listen up. Two of three men experience some form of hair loss by the time you're 35. And it's one of those deals where you're like, what do I do? How do I avoid this thing? Is it smart? Don't be a statistic. If you're a little bald or a lot bald, fix it in a simple stress-free way. Try Keeps, K-E-E-P-S. What you do is a virtual doctor consult at Keeps.com. And then the medications are delivered straight to your door. It's low cost with treatment starting at just 10 bucks a month for FDA-approved medications, and they can prevent hair loss. Keeps is more five-star reviews than any of its competitors. And don't walk around with pattern baldness. We all know it's not cool. It just doesn't feel right. Prevention is, in fact, the key. So if you're ready to stop messing around, right, you got a new year, a new energy towards fixing the little things like hair loss, you want to prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash all you get your first month of treatment free. That's K-E-E-P-S dot slash all
1: With Windows 11 and Intel, you can do what you do better. With Snap Assist, you can arrange your Windows programs and apps the way you want to see them. And with more power to run your favorite apps on a lightweight device, you can get powerhouse performance packed inside a portable PC. Windows 11 and the Intel Evo platform make working from wherever better. Learn more at windows.com slash brings you closer.
7: So what what happened? We went, we had, we had, we were there four years. Uh, yep. We, we, my second and third year, we had really good years. And then Paul Roach, who was John Madden's offensive coordinator, was the AD. He was a friend of Buzz Kirpius, who was the academic advisor, who you, you might remember from the season on the bring books at IU. So that's how the Joby connection came. We got a new AD my fourth year there, and that was it. You know, he just didn't groove with Joby and we weren't, We were 500, you know, we weren't really turning it over. And, uh, you know, we got fired after that,
5: after my fourth season at Wyoming. So that was, how how did it come to be that you kind of went in your own thing? You didn't keep, you know, show up at the convention or go with another night guy, right? You know, or go with Dockage, whatever. How how did it come to be that you did your own thing? I was going to go with Dan to Bowling Green, right? Dan was at Bowling Green and we had talked about it.
7: And he made a statement to me one day. He said, you know, you come to Bowling Green. But let me ask you a question. You know, he'd known me since I was a kid, since I got to IU. And I said, what? He said, you really want to be an assistant at Bowling Green? And I said, not really. You know, so anyways, I went back to, uh. so, so Andy Miller, who's, you know, the agent Andy Miller, who's who, so Andy grew up with Lawrence Frank. Lawrence Frank and I went to college together. So during college, Andy would come stay with us at, at IU. So I've known him since I was 19 years old. So he called me and said, hey, in between coaching jobs, you want to work some guys out. And I said, well, I guess, I don't know. I'm Cause you know, you get fired in March and you get paid through whatever the end of the summer. And then, you know, that next couple months is when you decide what you want to do. So I wasn't going to go with Dan. I started thinking maybe I don't want to. So Andy said, Hey, let's do this. So right away I said, sure, whatever, I'll do it. And I had always had a, a background in strength and conditioning and nutrition. So I'm, I've, you know, not only myself stay in shape and am into it, but I've studied it. I had my CSCS you know, certified strength and conditioning coach, coach stuff. So they just started sending me. So the first trip I took was to the University of Nebraska. I said, sure, I'll do it, Andy. He goes, all right, we need you to go to Nebraska. There's this kid, Teron Lou, who we're, we're going to sign, and we need to get him on a nutrition plan. We need to get him started working out. He's going to leave school. So I said, okay. So I get on a plane to Lincoln, Nebraska. No idea what I'm doing. You know, I I, I remember like packing uh, like Myoplex EAS shakes, you know, the remember the old shakes? Sure. <laughs> yeah. And, and I just went and I, and I started training Ty and I didn't even really know what training was, you know, cause in college basketball, even today, you know, we have 50 guys every year, 40 that are preparing for the draft. And many of them will tell us we've never done workouts like that before, you know, cause most of the stuff in college, it's getting better, but a lot of it is more team oriented and, and, you know, you're coming off curls and you're, you know, you're doing stuff you're going to do in the, in the offense. Whereas, you know, what we're doing is we're expanding guys games. So I had to learn a lot, but yeah, I started training Ty and then the guy Andy was working for Eric Fleischer sent me out to New York and I did a camp for Stefan Marbury. And at the camp was 18 year old Al Harrington. Um, and I started to training Al. And so maybe two weeks later, Andy called me back and said, Hey, we got, I had moved back to Bloomington because I said, okay, my- while I'm in transit here, I want to go back where I, I don't want get- to <laughs> I wasn't excited to stay in Laramie. Uh, but I, I, I went back to Bloomington and, um, The next thing I knew, they said, we're going to send you Tehran and Al to train them for the draft. And so this was in after my my year there. I said, cool, send them. So, I mean, they stayed. Both of those guys lived in my basement for a long time, you know, and, and I didn't have a facility. So I used the IU facilities. I was using the rec center there, the hyper building. Coach Knight let me use assembly hall sometimes. And I just started training him and I just started spending all day with them. And I just started, uh, you know, Charles Jones. You remember
5: Charles, the scorer from Long Island University? Of course. Yeah, he led the day. Yeah. So these, said, stuff, by the way, these are all Tyron Lue crossed me up when they beat us at our place. Like, I, these oh, are oh, all, all, all I right know.
7: Right, right. Yeah. These right. are
5: these. This is this is my the. All these are all names. I'm like, yep.
7: yep yeah. You know, all ahead. those guys. Yeah. So. They just came to Bloomington and I'd had a little training business in Bloomington and I started working them out and I would just spend my whole day with them. I'd lift them. I'd teach them how to eat. I'd take them to the grocery store. I was cooking for them in my kitchen. Um, my wife was like, Who are all these people living in my house? <laughs> I said, Deal with it right now. And then what I did, Doug, is I said, You know, I had my camp background. I said, Why don't I run? I told uh, Eric Fleischer, I said, You know, he had KG, he had um, Chauncey. Um, a bunch of other guys that he had. I said, why don't I run their summer camps? Like I can run their camps. I can make these guys some money. So I made a little business where I was training them, but then supplementing my income with, cause no one knew what to charge training. I mean, it, it wasn't the same. So I was running their summer camps. So that's what I did. I just said, shit, you know what? I kind of like this. I'm going to, I ran the Kevin Garnett fan club, right? So all of his fan mail would come to my condo in Bloomington, boxes and boxes and boxes. And I would stay up all night. And I would enter all the names into a label sheet. Remember, like on a word processor. It wasn't like today. And I would print out the labels. And I made up this um, I made up this page that said, you know, Kevin Garnett Fan Club, 25, 1999, autograph picture, newsletter, blah, blah, blah. And I would mail them all back. So every night, I would just do as much as I could till I fell asleep. I started going to my mailbox and just opening up the mailbox. There was just like 30 envelopes, 40 envelopes, just 20 bucks, 20 bucks, 20 bucks. I was like, what is going on? So I just did it. I just started doing that. I said, you know what? I'm going to stay away from coaching for a little bit and see if I can give this thing a run. I love the training piece of it. Cause I just love spending the time with the guys and I loved, um, you know, pushing them every day. So, yeah. So, I, so, so I don't want
5: to like, I know it, again, it's like your business, but what's the, what's the process of it? I'm, I'm fascinated by, it. for example, eating. Okay. So I'm, I grew up in Southern California and uh, Marvin Murnovich was, was yeah. like the guru. Uh-huh. Okay? So And, and lots of people had mixed feelings about Marv because um, those of us who loved and got to know Marv, like he was awesome, but he's not for everybody. And he's, I'm not sure if there's an Asperger's, there's something socially that was a little different, but he, he was the first one to tell me like, okay, you need to read this book about the zone diet. Okay. And. You need to understand that like basically everything you're taught in school about nutrition is wrong and complex carbohydrates are like eating candy bars, right? And this is what you need to do. And with this, and if you want to do it, if you want to make it and I will tell you unequivocally the change in my body changing my diet was uh, earth shattering. Okay. But I was looked at like I was Looney Tunes at the time, right? This, you know, you're eating nuts and avocados, right? You're like uh, monounsaturated fats, nobody thought about. So he was way ahead of his time. He also, and I I just, I, my first basketball injury ever was four and a half months ago, I tore my ACL. And what he had taught me then, and I'm experienced now is like a lot of what he did, balance, bands, Pilates stuff was all things that he took from rehab because the idea was like when you rehab, you rehab that whole body, that whole area. But then when people train, they train, you know, the the bigger muscles. And he was like, this doesn't make any sense. You have to train the whole body to kind of work together as one. And so many of the things, the balance things that people have done now over the last 15 years, 25 years ago, he was the one doing it. Using Russian techniques as well. And again, we were seen as Looney Tunes. So this is uh late 90s, and you're training guys, and you have a background in nutrition. Are you still a high carb guy? Did you go to proteins? Like what was your approach for diet going back then?
7: Barry Sears the Zone was my first book that we went through, uh, which you just said. We we put the guys, we we explained to them how your fat. Your fat intake will open up the passages to burn energy, make your body more efficient. So, Mars a little bit ahead of me, but very similar to what you're saying. We changed the way they they were eating based on that zone diet, and and I don't know that I think I maybe over the years have kind of like tweaked it a little bit from sure, where, where, as more stuff came out, but that was the first. I used to pull quotes from that book and give it to the guys, you know, and and really, and and that was like the charts in that book. We used it to go on, so it it made a huge as you know, Doug, I'm like it's, if these guys like they don't want to eat good. But then as soon as they do and they feel so good, they're like, "Oh, I'll, I'll do that," you know, because they just feel so good. So we we took a, a, a very zone diet approach to what we were doing with all my players, and I was able to I was able to put them in a and you know because we were making it in my house, we were ordering stuff. I had restaurants that were making it for him, so we really controlled those those. You know, we only have five guys or four guys. It's easy right. to do. Um, But yeah,
5: very much so. We changed the way they ate. Here, here's 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 a going. So my dad, so Marv was like, Bob, he needs to have egg whites in his shake every morning. So I've never forget. Like I I got up probably the first month that I was that I was trying this. M- my mom or dad would cook eggs and then take the yolk out. And then at, <laughs> at some point, <laughs> I was I was telling him like. You know, I, I don't. I you know, like I I drink it for I don't care. I actually like the taste of protein powder and whatever, but um, like the egg white, the thickness. Of, he's like, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, you know, after you cook the egg white, you take the yolk. I like, no, you know, you just crack the egg. Yeah, yeah. Raw. <laughs> was like, oh, oh, oh my god, felt like we felt we. It's well, pretty I'm gross like, actually to think
7: about what you're saying. You put the cooked disgusting. egg white in the shake.
5: Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, look, I'll eat anything, but Jesus, cooked egg white in a milkshake was not good. It was not, not not good. So I do I do understand like I, I can totally kind of picture this. Okay, so um yeah, the zone thing was amazing. Yeah, that and, was a great,
7: great revelation, I think. That book was a big
5: one. Well, it, I think it's, I mean, changed sports really. I mean, it just, mm-hmm. it just did. Cause if you remember like when you're in college or early on when you're coaching, you go night before a game and dudes are carb loading. Everybody carb carb loaded.
7: Loaded. yeah, just mm-hmm.
5: pasta, pasta, pasta. Yeah. And I yeah. get to Notre Dame and it's just like pasta it's like, coach, I don't eat, I don't eat pasta. <laughs> is it a diet? Are you, is it a Jewish thing? It's like, no coach. It's, I, I was trying to explain to John McLeod, like coach, that's like eating a candy bar. Would, would you want me eating candy bars the night before a game? He's like, what are you talking about? This is what marathon runners were. I was like, coach, it's it's the wrong thing for you. Your glycemic index spikes up. Right. And then you come down just like a sugar low. Like you, you Mm need, we we need quality fats coach. We need, we need salads. We need avocados. (laughs) We need, I need, I need chicken breasts. So, so like the only way I could do it on the road with Notre Dame was I would get, I would eat chicken breasts. Um, Usually, And, you know, I'd eat eggs, but they, they had like full eggs. I wanted egg whites, whatever. Like I was the biggest pain in the ass ever because I'm just sitting here going like, no, this is wrong. And then I get to, and then, and then we get to get lifting. (coughs) And so I finished high school. I was 19 because I stayed back. So I'm 19 years old and I get to Notre Dame and I'm 160 pounds, but I've been training with Marv. And so I'm flying around and the strength coaches basically use the football strength program. Sure. And it, this is 95, right? This is when creatine first kind of came it first came on the market. Mm-hmm. So they're like giving us gator load and creatine and they're giving us gator load because my body fat was below with the calipers was below 4%. And they were like worried about cramping. So you had to pound gator loads, whatever. And I'm telling you, I was so that, that and I know it's not real, muscle weight with the creatine but i was just jacked so i went from i arrived notre dame in august 160 pounds Played our first game in november i'm 177 pounds right and and i mean i'm i'm freaking diesel but i i'm not moving as well right i'm not i can't shoot because i'm so i just i got to where i love the weight room but like too much and um okay so then with your training with the weight training where does that background come from? Because as you said, like, though you studied it, you also are an English lit major. So you're mm-hmm. working out Tai Lu and Al Harrington, but you're lifting with them. How did you how did you get to what you wanted to work on with their bodies? Well,
7: I became a fitness freak myself. So I used to come. I, I taught step aerobics when the Reebok step first came out. Um, I was one of the first guys to do spinning classes. Um, I had Ty and, and those guys on bikes before spinning was spinning. Um, I came out to LA and, and worked with Billy blanks with Tybo for a long time, um, with his, with his daughter, uh, Shelly. And, um, it was just really a fitness craze for me. You know, I'm a triathlete now, so I've, and I've, I've done 20 iron mans and I continue to do them. And, um, I'm just into it. I've always been into it personally. So what I was doing is I was kind of experimenting on myself, um, as a young trainer and then taking it to them, but you know, like the Tybo movements, as corny as it might sound. I mean, those kind of, though, that's what you're talking. It's your body hips. control. It's core strength. It's yep. your hips. People talk about, oh, his, his hips are tight. His, his glutes are weak. Well, we knew that before I was having these guys like on the Reebok step. Cause I knew from doing class, when you do like knee up 10 times, 20, 30 times, you're butt starts burning, right? And it's just that different kind of burn. So we were doing, you know, even to this day, different guys, like Kyle Lowry does mostly Pilates, you know, he doesn't even do a ton of weightlifting because, you know, his body size and his type. So back then, I felt like I was way ahead of the game, like saying, okay, we're going to do isometric holds. Um, I had these guys working on their balance. I had them, you know, even in the, in the Reebok, like the classes with the music, you get a little, you know, you get a little rhythm, it's movement patterns, you know? So we were arnie kander who if you know arnie who was with the pistons for such a long time he's a physical therapist who uh was with them throughout all the years and now he's independent in in colorado but i mean maybe arnie was with detroit maybe 25 years throughout the great days he was the first guy that i ever studied under and, and learned from that was all about movement patterns like really about movement even for me as a runner when i had issues he would get me in and like do these strange exercises where I was just kind of moving my arms and getting my body like he was like, What am I doing? He's like, you know, you're finding your center of gravity and you're engaging your muscles. And so we got away from all that pumping iron, you know, um, early. And, and I'll tell you, we, you know, we, we switched, we switched to the Kaiser machines early because they're air powered. Right. And guys didn't like it. A lot of guys didn't like it because they want to go drive iron. You know, they don't feel like they're yeah. doing anything. Yeah. But, you know, so from back from the late 90s, I was much with Mark, you know, we were doing single leg holds. We were doing, you know, a lot of work on unstable platforms to get the the stabilizer muscles uh, firing. And again, I was, I did it all with the guys, right? So I was doing the workouts with them and I was feeling my body get different ways and and then doing additional studying. So we got, some guys do need to put on strength, right? I mean, that's yeah. just, a, that's just a part of it, but there's other guys and and you have to combine it with it's, Look at if you look at basketball today especially even in the night it's all about speed and movement now right so you got i mean you got guys like uh I'm watching some of the rookies in the NBA I mean they're so skinny but they're getting there because they can get to where they need to go and it's there's not a lot of bumping and all that kind of stuff so it's it's really very much on the same uh, I'm on the same page and always have been with that whole body control. You know, I wanted to train my guys like dancers. You know, that was what I would tell them all the time. You know, remember Willie Gault, the wide receiver did ballet, right. For the first time we were doing yoga. You know, I had Chauncey Billups doing yoga in 2002 or one or two, you know, now it's like, Oh, he does yoga or he does. like were
5: I first started doing yoga when I was at ESPN, I did a campaign with P90X and they had the 90 minute yoga and I would do it like on, I had little my my kids were really little at the time, and I would do it in the basement. Um, like on a Friday night, I would go to everybody go to sleep, and I go and do do the yoga. And I was like, God, why didn't I do this when I was a basketball player? Like this is For sure, yeah. Incra- yeah. This is inc- my whole. I can literally my whole every muscle is firing, every single one. Big right? time. It's all about changing speed. And there's no yeah. and there's no impact. Right? It's Nothing. like, it, and I was it was I, I was it was blown away by it. All right. That's the end of part one. The Doug Gottlieb show, by the way, is daily three to six Eastern, 12, to three Pacific on your iHeartRadio app, Fox Sports Radio, foxsportsradio.com. You can also check us out on Sirius XM 217 and 203. Stay tuned for part two. We'll probably take a day in between and then we'll drop it. And that's more uh, how he formulated uh, moving to Vegas, starting his own thing. What some of the discussions about diet are in terms of diet and exercise and, and how, how, how where, where did his knowledge come from? You'll love it. That's for next time. I'm Doug Gottlieb. This is All Ball. Okay, All Ball community, I'm about to make your holidays even happier. Get the Epson EcoTank cartridge-free printer because you know what's not festive? Cartridge conniptions. Those panic freakouts that happen when those pricey ink cartridges run out at the worst possible time. Like when you're halfway through printing your holiday cards. With Epson EcoTank, kiss expensive cartridges goodbye. This printer has big ink tanks and comes with a ridiculous amount of ink so you can just fill and chill all season long. Now that's Mary. Epson EcoTank. Learn more at epson.com slash Doug. When you're ready to place a bet on today's games, do it with the most trusted name in online sports betting, BetRivers Sportsbook. Now legal in several states and growing. BetRivers Sportsbook delivers a unique sports betting experience featuring live streaming sports, in-game wagering, fast authorizations on most withdrawals, and gold standard customer service. Go to BetRivers.com, see for yourself, must be 21, and be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, and Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.